0: Welcome to the SDA Housing Podcast brought to you by NDIS Property Australia. Before starting this episode, we need to provide a general disclaimer. Information contained in this podcast is general in nature only. It does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. You need to consider your financial situation and needs before making any decisions based on the information in this podcast. And you should consider seeking independent and professional advice for your personal circumstances. All right, let's begin.
1: Hello, everybody. My name is Min, and I'm your host for today from NDIS Property Australia here in Brisbane. And you're listening to the SDA Housing Podcast, a show that explains, highlights, guides, and brings awareness about all things SDA in this ever changing NDIS world. Today's topic is Oz Homes. And we have a guest speaker, Josh Donaghy from Oz Homes in Brisbane here. Welcome, Josh. Thank you, Min. Thank you for having me. Like, tell us more about you, who you are, what you do in Oz Homes, and and, and the company of Oz Homes.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm a was a former accountant. Um, work. I uh, came across to the building company about six seven years ago. Um, Oz Homes has been around for about twenty seven years. Um, my background is working in a variety of different development projects, so development and um, sort of multi-unit as well as SDA type um, dwellings. Um. Really have enjoyed the space with SDA and getting to know um, all the different partners and participants um, along the way, and it's quite a rewarding field to be working in at the moment.
1: That's great to hear. So how have you found as a business the building
2: industry the last six to 12 months? Challenging, extremely challenging. Um, Obviously, there's been a lot of builders that have um, struggled a lot over the last year. Um, Cash flow has been a big issue, and that's been... A result of record levels of demand, um, coupled with a particularly bad um, sort of weather pattern over the last twelve months, so um, the rain is just sort of exacerbated problems with supply chains that are already stretched. Um, so yeah, we've we found it extremely challenging. Um, you know, it's extremely challenging building environment. Um, the inflation factor has also mean meant that a lot of the margins just are constantly getting eroded. You'll you'll declare a job with you know, X dollars in it, and by the time you've finished, you're actually losing money. Um, so a lot of builders obviously just have, have just run out of cash and physically can't finish the projects. Um, in our case, we were pretty quick to react to the inflationary pressure from our suppliers, and so we did increase um, prices along the way to sort of counter it, but um, nevertheless, it's still been very, very challenging. Building periods are also blowing out a little bit. We were typically building an SDA house in about six months, they're now running on average between nine to twelve.
1: Well, that's good. Nine to twelve watts is still better than most of the industry out there, I guess. Yeah. Mate,
2: mm-hmm. when do you think we'll get better for the industry in South East Queensland? Do you think? Look, I, I think it's already starting to improve. Um, the interest rate rises have sort of been a welcome change. It's sort of curtailed demand a lot, um, and it's sort of helped, um, you know, helped our suppliers and our trades catch up as well as that. The, the weather has been fortunate for us recently. We've had a good dry spell. So, um, that hasn't been a factor in in delays. Um, so, I think the the pricing on the material and labour side is probably starting to peak out. Um, and I don't expect that to continue at the same rate it has over the last 12 to 18 months. Um, and, and I do think that the build durations are probably peaked as well. And I think they're starting to come in. Um, on our books, as I said, we were showing about 9 to 12 months for a typical SDA. Um, They are, that time is starting to come in, you know, sort of seven months. And i expect by the end of the year, we should be back down to six months again duration.
1: Are your normal builds the same duration
2: as the SDA builds? Pretty much, pretty much. The SDAs are a little bit longer at the back end um, to, you know, to work through all the audit process. Um, So there is probably about another three to four weeks at the end for for the audit side. And there is a little bit more work involved quite a lot more work involved in the house itself in terms of, you know, the fit out and all that sort of stuff. So you're probably losing about another month there. So I'd say on average an SDA house would be about two months longer than than a standard typical dwelling.
1: Gotcha. So with Homes being around for twenty two, twenty three years, how long
2: have you guys been playing in the SDA field for? We started playing about four years ago um, and, you know, been pretty heavily into it over the last two to three. Um, it had a fairly steep learning curve, um, you know, with with the SDA design guidelines and all the different requirements. So that that was a something that took a little bit of time for us, you know, our estimators and our supervisors to sort of come to terms with and get their head around the different um, specific requirements for SDA housing. The, the requirements are, in a lot of instances, on top of sort of just the, the minimum AS 1428 requirements that, you know, a lot of the foremen are familiar with. So it's been, it's been a steep learning curve, but once you're on top of it, it's it sort of, they just become like any other building.
1: That's great to see you
2: guys embracing
1: that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what has your team learned along the way from the very early days when you first began to where you are now? I'm sure there's a big difference when, from the start and where you are now. What in your mind do you think you guys learned the most
2: about this process in this journey? Sorry. Um. I think it's probably the biggest thing is around being proactive in terms of making sure that, you know, we're implementing things in the design standard at the start. So making sure that the designs are correct to begin with, Uh, because changing things obviously during construction is expensive at the best of times. But when it comes to SDA, in some instances, it's actually almost impossible to change it because your hallways and all your widths and your circulation spaces are set dimensions. So, making sure that the design at the front end is 100% correct is, is, you know, critically important on SDA housing. Um, and then in addition to that, just making sure the specifications, so things that are specified, um, sort of have the tick of approval by the by the auditing side as well to make sure that when we get to the end, you know, the sinks or the tapware or toilets and all that sort of stuff are, are compliant from the start and that we're not going to have to go back and change, change them over at the end. Speaking of
1: which... What have you seen work and not work
2: in the SDA building game? Um, I suppose the earlier configurations of housing, um, a lot of our sort of investors were going in and building, um, you know, three to you know, four bedroom plus um, high physical support dwellings. Um, in meeting with a lot of the providers and the participants themselves, a lot of them sort of were giving feedback that, well, you know, the four, the four-bedroom high physical support SDA model isn't one that's necessarily um, the most popular with participants and what they're necessarily looking for. Um, and so, I think at the start, it was almost the investors were sort of saying, "Well, this is this is what's you know this is what the participants should be living in." And, and the feedback from the providers was, "Well, no, this is what we actually want." And so, the housing model I think sort of adapted and evolved over time um, to suit what the participants were actually asking for.
1: Gotcha. So
2: are your are your houses now more
1: three bedder uh, OOA plus two participant resident yep. houses now?
2: Yeah, that would be the typical. Um, we also are doing quite a lot of sort of one bed SDA plus OOA dual occupancy style dwellings yes. where you have yes. um, you know, side by side units with one SDA dwelling and uh, one SDA room per, per dwelling. Um, um both models have been, have been pretty successful. I haven't seen a lot recently of the larger, you know, four-bedroom or three-bedroom SDA high-fizz models. So that that seems to have fallen a bit by the wayside. So speaking of dual occupancy, have you done many of those ones in SDA? Yeah, quite a few. Quite a few. So that has been pretty popular. In a lot of instances, they've had, um, you know, a lot of instances that had like a spare room in the dual occupancy so that it could be used for a family member or, you know, A different level of participant that may not be, say, high fears. It could be like fully accessible participant. Um, So the dual occupancy model has been pretty hybrid, um, and it might be the case that you have one high fears side and one, say, fully accessible side, or one high fears side, and then the other side is just a standard um, dual occupancy for a a standard tenant. Um, Obviously, seeing super high vacancy or you know super low vacancy rates in in the um, in most regional areas in Southeast Queensland. So. It, it's a pretty good hybrid model to have, you know, a standard dwelling house plus a, a high-fiz um, unit um, in a lot of instances.
1: So these dual locks you guys have been doing, are they being like three plus two or three plus one kind of spec design? Yeah, the pretty,
2: pretty much. Yeah, so um, some have been two like, two, like one SDA per side plus a, um, you know, carers or alternate accommodation room. Um, on each side, and some have been three bed. Are you say, would it would it be OA
1: plus one, OA plus one?
2: Yeah, yeah. That's a duplex,
1: isn't it? Duplex, yeah. correct. Yeah. Okay. Is the cost to doing a duplex much more substantially more than a a dual lock because of the the time frame to lodge for DA and BA and Yeah, it's true.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. So a lot of them are going through as community residences. Um, so they aren't necessarily having a material change of use application done over the top of them. If the intention is to strata title the dwelling, um, for example, and sell them off separately, um, in, in those instances, yes, typically they will require a material change of use, and that does have pretty long timeframes. Like at the moment, our average um, MCU time is sort of three months typically for, to do it to do a DA. Um, so you know, normally a proper MCU dual occupancy is taking about a year of 15 months to build um, when you include the DA time frame.
1: Well, when when I first met you a year, a year and a half ago, you said to me it was very important for you to know that the channels that you work with have an associated provider with the channel partner. Yes. Is that still the case with your business? Very can much. You, can, you, can you explain why to our listeners why that's important important to you as a business, as homes, that who you do business with, they are associated with providers. Why is that important to you?
2: Well, mainly because most of our business, we have really no retail presence as a, as an organization. Our whole presence is based on referral and repeat business. And so for us, it's really critically important that the investors have a, if there's an investor involved, that they have a really good um, experience, which includes making sure they have a tenant. Um, now, most of the time, um, having a provider on board and LinkedIn um, is, is sort of essential uh, because it's it's critical to finding the tenant. And having them on board at the beginning makes, you know, ensures that the right house is being built for the right tenant. Um, a lot of the time, the, the SDA dwellings are, are built bespoke um, for a particular um, provider's tenant in mind. And so, you know, making sure that they're on board at the beginning just helps to ensure that there will be a tenant at the end, and that investor comes back and, and does another project with us.
1: That's great. So, speaking of investors. What's the experience that the investor goes through in terms of engaging those homes from the EOI process onwards?
2: Yeah, so typically um, we'll get involved with the provider um, and the investor at the start. So we have sort of a, a three-way conversation um, to get feedback on, hey, this is what the tenant demand is, this is what we're looking for. And then, you know, we'll speak also with the investor and go, well, you know, what's what sort of budget are we working to? Um, and then from there, we, we, you know, look at the land as well. So if the investor is bringing the land to us, or if we're finding the land for the investor, um, you know, knowing what the provider is wanting to put on that block is, is essential. So we'll work with them to work through the land options and make sure it all works. Um, and that that can include things like making sure that the the site is is going to be suitable for an SDA. In a lot of instances, um, you know, when we first started working together, there were clients bringing us blocks of land to do an SDA dwelling, and they had five six meters worth of fall on them which just really wasn't suitable for a, for a high physical support dwelling. So we'll work with, with the investor and the provider to make sure that the right house is being put on the right lot um, and that the price meets the budget. Um, and then we will then sort of hand, hold them through the process in terms of colour selections and and making sure that the spe- specification is correct for the, the participant need.
1: Um, with regards to HBS, uh, is there much of a variations options list that, Investors can choose from when they're talking to you at the very start with the provider. I mean, what, how do I say this? What kinds of um, uh, options are on that variation list that you present to investors and providers to consider? Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there obviously is a, the the SDA design standard has a minimum that we have to achieve. So uh, there's, that's the standard specification for a, say, a high physical support house that we would provide. On top of that, there is a whole lot extra that can be included in the fit-out, um, which which include things as simple as different colour selections to, you know, full ceiling rails and hoists. Um, you know, automation is standard in most instances, but you don't necessarily need the door actuators on a lot of houses. So, depending on how far an investor wants to go, they can fully automate the house with full door actuators as well as, um, you know, uh the the ceiling rails and hoists as well um and then you can go um as far as different kitchen appliances to what what our standard high physical support appliances are as long as they're still compliant we still have to make sure they're compliant but there's there are a myriad of upgrades that they can select from um, which our color consultant will go through with them at the time sure any unusual requests
1: made so far for hps
2: not really. All we tend to find is that a lot of our investors, or some of our investors, will have um they'll be a, it'll be a family relative um that they're building the house for, um and so they'll have very specific requests around um certain fit out items that will suit that particular tenant, um and so it, you know it can be things like in the case of a robust house, um where the 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 family might have said to us look we just don't want um the participant. Um, to have access to the kitchen, for example. So we would fully build the kitchen in so that it's it's its own self-contained room. Um he, heaps of different things like that where whereby we'll try and accommodate um the the particular participant um, in terms of design as well as specification.
1: That's great. I mean it's very rare to see a builder do an enclosed kitchen for yeah. a robust home. But I think about yeah. you doing that. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of robust, um What's your feedback on that? Have you done many of those compared to HBS and your numbers? What's in your yeah?
2: yeah so the so the higher rate, high physical support has certainly been a, a dominant um, category versus robust. Um, I think a lot of that has just been to do with um, land availability. In most instances, robust dwellings will require land that's um, you know a bit detached or separate from from the neighbour, um, and so that can be hard hard to find. Um and the high physical support's been a little bit easier in that in that respect. Uh, with that said, we have done quite a few robust dwellings. They are a bit more difficult in terms of the participant requirement. Um, they are very very because it's behavioural um, house. They tend to be a bit more yeah. um, restrictive in what you can do with them. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
2: So how many have you done with robust May I ask? So I don't we've done down about 14 robust dwellings in yeah. total. Um compared to high oh. peers, which would be, yeah, probably over 40 um high yeah, peers. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. What
1: about IL, FA? Do you have any of those? Yep,
2: yep. we've done a few. Again, they're sort of probably uh, they're sort of more of that hybrid model where people will be doing a high peers and incorporate an FA maybe on one side of a dual occupancy or something. Um but, yes, we have done quite a few. I have also done quite a few um, standalone houses um, in IL, um, which is which have been pretty good. I'd say we only would have done probably about 10 of them in total.
1: Oh, good, good. I think we need more IL houses out there in the market. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Too much focus has been, made, has been put on to HPS the last two years or so, yeah? Yes, yeah. So what other challenges do you see with
2: SDA as a building company? Look, I think... From from my perspective, um, the first thing question I have is around um, saturation. So, just being aware that, you know, as you said, that there is a huge demand for a lot more IL and FA, uh, even robust style housing. And, and we have been building a lot of high fizz and just making sure that in certain pockets of that, that hasn't been a saturated design category um, would be my first query. Um from a building perspective, um, the construction code is changing. Um, you know, basically the first of September. The changes in the construction code aren't likely to be a huge issue for SDA housing. There are some changes to standard housing, which are actually moving more toward living, living housing Australia sort of guidelines. So I think if anything, that's that's not really going to impact it at all. However, there have been some movements to to upgrade the energy efficiency requirements on houses to a seven-star energy rating. Um, so that's likely to have an impact in terms of price, um, whereby we have to um, increase wall bats and ceiling bats and, you know, glaze windows and whatever to achieve those sort of ratings. So that's likely to be an issue going forward. Yes.
1: Speaking of IL, I want to ask you a question from a construction point of view. Um, a provider once told me a few months ago that most of the IL participants are living in a sill home at the moment, Right. Um. With the level housing, um, changes Australia wide being more towards an IL standard. Yeah. We may we may see less IL SDA homes being built because the standards go is it being increased. Is, what's your feedback on that on that comment there?
2: My fe- my feeling is that that won't actually necessarily be the case because the standard change, um, is only partial. Uh, is a partial change toward the Living Housing Australia guidelines. For example, it requires uh, at least one accessible entry into the house, but that isn't required for every single um, exit point to the property. So, it's not necessarily required for your fresco doors. It's not necessarily required for your front door. Um, you can comply with the new code just by having a you know a, a, an entry door from your garage, uh, for example, into the house. So, I still think... There there's to do SDA dwellings properly and to get the right certification for them, there's still quite a lot more work than just the minimum of the new construction code.
1: Mm. So what areas have Os has been building in
2: for SDA? Uh like localities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So of quite a lot in Toowoomba, Warwick, some in Brisbane if we can get land, um, Redlands, uh, Sunshine Coast, uh Logan City Council, pretty much Pretty much every major um local government council in southeast Queensland. Um we're also now also pushing into Gympie as well. Oh
1: good. Yeah. Gibby has a lot of um uh a lot of uh demand from HBS out there.
2: Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: So are you actually in Gibby now?
2: We are. We are in Gympie now, yeah.
1: Oh good. Good. Yeah. Um, I think we may have a few clients with box of land up there for sure. Yeah. Um any words of advice for potential investors considering SDA?
2: Just my biggest thing is make sure that you you have a really s- strong provider on board with you. Um, it makes the whole process a lot less stressful um, being sure that you've got that provider to you know guide you in terms of this is what the tenant demand is. Um, when we first started, as I said, we had a lot of investors saying what they thought the tenants were going to want. Um, and I think that was the wrong approach. I think the approach needs to be participant-led. Um, and so, you know, getting feedback from the providers is is critical um, in that participant-led approach. Exactly. Now,
1: at the other extreme spectrum, what words of advice do you have for any builder or developer listening to the show right now on their potential entry into SDA construction, NDS construction?
2: Um, any builder entering it, um, the my commiserations for the next year because it's going to be a bit of a curve. Um, the my biggest thing would be just to really drill and drill and drill and drill into the SDA design guideline and just un- know it back to front. To be honest, make sure that your drafts person, whoever's drawing your plans, is fully across the SDA design guideline. Um, and make sure you get it audited you know, at the design stage by an SDA, accredited SDA assessor, um, to make sure that everything's compliant, um, which will just make the SDA audit at the end a million times easier. Do you come across many
1: um, owner-occupier participants who want to design and build
2: their own uh, SDA help for them to live in themselves? It's mainly around family. So it's not so much that they're necessarily owner-occupier. It's more the family uh, sort of, doing the house for, for for a relative or whatever, that's very common at the moment. Um, and that's actually, we kind of really enjoy doing that because it allows us to to design bespoke the house for the particular piece Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, that's good, mate. Mate, thank you so much for your time, taking the time out of your day. I know it's very, you're very busy on your end. It, this gives us a very good perspective, insight perspective as to uh, what it takes for a building company like Oz Homes to to get involved and maintain their presence in the SDA uh, in their sector, really appreciate your time, Josh. Um, uh, uh, I guess my last words are: Well, I know you work with channels, right, um, partners? Um, but if if other agents around Australia want to con- get in contact with you or other other groups as as well, what's the best way to
2: contact uh, you guys? Yeah, just website and if you yeah, know, just yeah. just just through the website, aussiehomes Um, mm-hmm. where just Get on, get in touch with us. We're more than happy to have a chat to you. As said, we have we have providers that that we that we work with, and we're more than happy to give you their details. And also, we're happy to work with any providers that that they, that people may want to wish wish to work with themselves.
1: So, because one last question: because you are a wholesale business, you don't deal do directly with the public. I mean, this, right. this is a very co- this is a very complex topic. SDA. Yeah. If a client if a client rang you directly to your office, I mean, what's what's your response to the inquiry? Would you how would you guess
2: Yeah. So so we'll we will certainly have a chat to the client. Um basically what I've just explained today is how I would respond to them. I basically oh. say, like, do you have a provider and do you have land? And that's sort of my first two questions. Yeah. Um, if they say no, we don't have a provider, I'm more than happy as I said, more than happy to introduce them to some. Uh, but alternatively, you know, my recommendation is make sure they come in with the provider first. It just makes things a lot yeah. a lot easier. Um and yeah, just a lot more fluid.
1: Yeah, it's important our race because we don't want a hundred people ringing you next week, <laughs> next month. saying, Hey, Josh, I heard you on the podcast. Can you help me out here? Yeah, resources. You're not resource to help out people directly like that, are you? No,
2: not not really. No, we we don't we we don't actively sell, so we're not we're uh, really the builder first and foremost. Um, so you know, it would it would be important to contact, as a a provider or someone who could facilitate that, and then. By all means, we're we're happy to build the the dwelling for them. Mm-hmm. So, any listeners out there
1: in in southern Queensland or, or interstate, uh, if you have land, you want to you know to work with a builder to build an SDA home? Make sure it's flat, it complies. Uh, talk to a, your provider you have, or or talk to the team at Ice Homes here. Mm-hmm. And um, do not contact the office if you have no idea about SDA because SDA <laughs> is a very complex topic, my friend. Isn't it? <laughs> it? It is. It
2: is. It's been you know, it's been a long, a long learning <laughs> turn for everybody. Um, but you know, we're we're pretty proficient now and, and more than happy to build the house. Good.
1: Josh, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate your, your efforts here, and we look forward to talking to you more later on down the track. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks, mate. Yeah, bye bye. Cheers. bye
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please make sure you are subscribed and following us so you can keep in the loop with all of our upcoming episodes. We would really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star rating, a written review, and to share this podcast with those that could benefit. Until next time, catch you on the next episode.